Hello there and welcome along to episode 112 of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the free and independent podcast that is made by fans for fans. say every week guys it's not just this rangers podcast where the content is free we have a loads of stuff over at the web- website over on www.jersnet.co.uk where there's match reviews match previews lots of great articles lots of historical archives as well as a friendly discussion forum uh, thank you very very much for joining us this evening um we are live as always it's sunday evening it's just gone 9 30 uh, and i am your host this week my name is ross bennett first of all i'd like to apologize for being a few minutes late um, it's my first time by myself setting up the YouTube stream and I have made an arse of it. So, uh, as I say, apologies for being a couple of minutes late, but thank you very much for joining us. If you are joining us live um, on Sunday, I've got the YouTube open here. Please do give us your questions, your comments. Obviously, it's been an incredible uh, action-packed week uh, for, for Rangers. And if you do have questions and comments, please get them in and we'll get to as many of those as we can. Um, the other thing to say is if you're not joining us live, the show is available for downloads every Monday. Uh, and that's available on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Um, I guess there's there's so much to talk about, and I've cut away three minutes by being slow, so I will get straight on to the guest introductions. We've got um, two fantastic guests, as always, joining us. First up this evening is Alec Anderson. Alex, how are you, and how has your weekend been? Um, it's been fine, thanks, uh, Ross. Yes, yes, I was I was trying to be in a, a bit of a huff with Rangers after what happened on Thursday night, but I'm one of those big kind of a fat, spoiled toddler after uh, that eight goals going in today. It's like you're, you're determined to be in a huff and stay in a bad mood, and they're kind of come on and cheer up, cheer up. And um, I'm afraid they, they, they did they did cheer me up, but um, I'm quite glad you're a few minutes late there because it's given us time to prepare for the uh, what's that? 14 goals we've got to discuss. So we need all the time we can get, mate. I know. I'm honestly, I'm 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 talking as fast as I can, but I don't I don't have a clue how I'm going to squeeze all of this in. Um, it's as, as you say because you know you wanted to be in a half with Rangers, and after today's performance, you just you can't manage. I remember the last show that I hosted for the pod was was just after we beat Celtic, and there was a comment saying that I was too negative. Um, so th- for all the listeners out there, please rest assured I have no reason to be negative with today's uh, today's game and today's result. This is going to be a bastion of positivity. Um, and and who else to join us in a bastion of positivity but one of the OGs of the podcast, David Fraser. David, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Ross. How are you yourself? I am very good. I'm very good. How did you uh, How did you enjoy your weekend? Oh, I enjoyed it immensely after uh, today's viewing, uh, evening to Alec, evening to all the, the listeners out in Rangers land. So I, it was very, very good. Uh, you know, as, as Alex saying there, it was it would have been easy to be slightly deflated after Thursday night's um, snatching a draw from the the jaws of victory, but uh, the performance today more than uh, made up for that, I would say. Uh, and, and David, would you say that there's any difference in the level of quality of opposition between Benfica and Hamilton? <laughs> very droll, Ross, very droll. Yes, 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 there is. I think, um, I think given that, uh, you know, the Scotland's representatives on Thursday night, given that a, a Czech second string uh, took 
four off the, the reigning champions at home uh, and they then go away to what is normally deemed a tricky away fixture at Fir Park in Motherwell and, and win at a canter but the looks of things uh, and the fact that we stuck past eight uh, at, the, at home to the bottom side today, I think, says it all about the strength of the Scottish Premier League, unfortunately. No, I, th I, th I think you're absolutely right. It's, um, I, it's, it's, not a, it's not a ringing endorsement of the quality that, that Scottish top flight is, is serving up at the moment. Um, but look, gents, we've got, usually we would sort of break the show down into, into three topics, but given the number of goals we've scored today and, and how much there is to talk about from, from the game on Thursday, I've, I'm kind of going to keep tonight just to the two games. Um, and I think the best place to start is, is in chronological order. We'll go back and talk about Rangers away at Benfica on Thursday evening. Um, obviously, it was a, a game that as soon as the group was drawn, we probably all identified this as the hardest tie of, of the Europa League so far for us. And, and one that we looked for so long, like we were going to come away with a, a quite famous result. Um, but going back to the start of that game, Alec, um, I know obviously you, you as, a, as a massive fan of European football was very excited for the game, but a tricky start, you know, a sloppy, sloppy defending, a lack of concentration from Hollander. Um, just how disappointed were you to, to see that goal going in on 60 seconds? Yeah, um, the, the, the Rangers does, if you like. They, they kind of did tell us what we've been doing to teams all season. They just pressed us so quickly, uh, almost kind of befuddled us and um my first my first thought was um it was my fault because i expressed confidence on the the preview pod uh, the night before and the only other two times in my life i've expressed confidence um before a rangers game was at home to stoy bucharest in the second leg of the quarter final in 1988 when i said uh, these bees must be shitting themselves with the amount of noise that's been created and lack of tushing up the park and made it three nil in aggregate within about two minutes and the second time, for a joke to the same friend sat beside me, um, was in the Leeds game, Battle of Britain, the, the leg at Ibrox. I thought, hey, these bees must be, and he's like, don't you dare. And we you know what happened there. Gary McAllister scored even quicker. So I just felt as if it was my fault for coming on the pod on the Wednesday night and expressing the fact that I thought something great was going to happen. Um, I They just, they shot us right down. It was quite, um, the coverage for BT, they were, looking at the managers because it's you know we're only seconds into the game starting so i don't really know what happened just before that but it, when it cut back to play it seemed that um big phil could have been given the ball to davis who was a lot kind of more central stevie did a lot more room and obviously he's he's better at taking the ball to feet turning and playing up the park he seemed to give banish a bit of a hospital pass um but then it goes back to borna gives it back to him and uh Pizzi has kind of shut down um, Hollander. He's got it away. You know, he's going to, it's, it's, it's not been any way convincing. It's spooned up in the air. And I think the fact that it then falls to Rafa Silva, who's a cracking little player, the fact that it's just in the box, it's just inside the box, I think that stops Phil going right through him. And also the guy's got, in fairness to, to Phil, the guy has got a tremendous touch, Silva. Uh, Hollander then has another chance to foul him. But, um, he doesn't, you know, he obviously doesn't want to get himself sent off or give away a penalty first thing, but he probably, maybe he should have, and uh, and it goes, and it was it was pretty gutting. Uh, probably the, the the last kind of way that you'd want to start such a game, like I say, that definitely earmarked as, as the hardest, uh, the hardest tie of, of the, the group stage. 
David, it seemed to me that it was it was entirely out of character for Hollander, and, and we could probably mention that he might well have been at fault, certainly for, for Benfica's second and maybe even their third goal. Um, it's, like I say, definitely out of character for someone who, since joining the club, has actually been noted for you know, having a real presence of mind, a real calming presence at, at, at the back there. But what with the competition that we have for, for the centre-half positions at the moment, I mean, maybe George Edmondson counting himself out a little bit, but uh, Nikola Katic is, is slowly working his way back to full fitness, and you have Leon Balogun, who has um, certainly impressed since he joined in the summer. Do you think that the game on Thursday might have, have harmed Hollander's chances of, of holding down a starting spot? Yeah, it's difficult to say, Ross. Um, I've got to preface any answers I, I give to questions regarding the Benfica game with, uh, I'm uh, quite ashamed to say, I've, I've managed to miss the game on Thursday night. So I've only seen brief highlights. Yeah, I had a, a, a prior engagement that I can go out of. So unfortunately, I, I'm a bit... Um, I'm about lacking in, in actual the, the detail of the game. I've not managed to, to look back at, uh, at the 90 minutes on a rerun either. Um, with regards to Philip Hollander, uh, I would I would like to think that uh, his two lapses, shall we, we call them, uh, on Thursday night won't be held against him in the long term, because, or certainly in the short term, I should say. Um, mainly because I think he's, he's, he's been a rock this season. Um, Cast my mind back to uh, one of the pods pre-season, and I think uh, it may well have been calling. Uh, we were discussing about, like me, me and me yourself, Ross, that, that was on, and we were discussing uh, the merits of dipping into the transfer market. I think it was just it was, um, if memory serves, it was on the night when the news broke that Nicola Katic had, had sustained that injury, and uh, we were discussing whether uh, Rangers should go into the market for a centre half. Uh, I made a big play of that at the time, uh, and obviously the management saw fit to, to go and get Leon Balogun on loan. Um, and I also said that you know, I, I, there were still question marks for me over whether uh, our defenders as a unit could possibly take us to where we, we'd, we'd want to be in the long term, that being uh, hopeful participation in the Champions League group stages. That said, however, um, obviously, this season, the, the defensive record, um, you know, would, would possibly render my viewpoint to be uh, questionable uh, at best. Um, and Philip Palander has played a massive part in that. It's, I think Philip's got, got, got um, some notable attributes. You mentioned his calmness under pressure. He's got good positional sense, but it does have a he does have a, a mistake in him. Um, I think both the centre-halves, uh, when they're caught square, can tend to look quite slow in the turn. Um, but you could, you could level that against you know most centre-halves. You know, very few centre-halves are, are lightning quick. Um, I think when you do see a genuinely rapid centre-half, it, it's, it's glaring. Um, but Philip has obviously raised his game uh, with Balogun coming in. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. Uh, Conor Goldson's obviously um, earmarked as one of the, the manager's leaders on the pitch, and I don't see his position being under threat. But to try and come to the point, I don't think that this season, anyway, uh, with regards to uh, hopeful, hopefully um, continued participation in Euro Europa League and uh, going forward in the, the league, 
in the cups in Scotland. I don't think that his his performance the other night would necessarily detract from his long term position in the starting lineup. I agree with you, David. I think the the, the impact of having competition in in every position has um, has made players raise their game. You know, we've we've seen the benefits of that up front with the number of goals that are being scored. Um, but I think in, in in the centre half position, we now have um, when when they're fully fit, five centre halves that I think could all be trusted to um, certainly do a job against the ninety percent of the opposition that Rangers would come up against. Um, David, I'll stay with you for the next question. Going back to the Benfica game, um, I think it's probably fair to say that the game turned on the red card for uh, for the Benfica Benfica centre half. Ryan Kent obviously played through. Gets in behind, takes a touch one on one with the keeper, takes a touch from the centre half who who gets himself sent off. There's kind of been an inevitable and, and very very predictable reaction from um, you know large sections of, of the internet saying that it was a very soft red card that that Kent dived and that we were wholly unwarranted in getting that red card. What what was your immediate reaction to that? Um. Well, when I. Did manage to uh, um, free myself up uh, to to get in the phone to, to my dad. Uh, I actually phoned him to to, to get a, a overall account of the, the game. He 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 said that he, he thought that the, the the red card was harsh on Nicholas Otamendi. And having seen it back, I thought you know it was it was one of those ones um, where you, you, you know, when you see it in slow motion, you, you could deem it to be harsh. I think Otamendi is a cute defender. He's obviously played in England for a number of years, and he's you know he's, he's quite fly at trying to make challenges look innocuous. Um, that said, though, I think the, the 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 referee clearly, obviously, thought it was a goal scoring opportunity um, and saw fit to to award a red card to Otamendi. Um, <sighs> Without sitting in the fence too much here, I, I think it's one of those ones. If you're at the receiving end of it, you'd possibly say oh, that was harsh. But if you give the the, the referee, um, you know, a decision to make, you know, depending on the referee's viewpoint, you always run the risk of falling foul of of uh, a card. Um, with regards to Ryan Kent. Uh, you know, casting aspersions over to Butter, he was dishonest and he went down. I, I don't see um, Kent diving at all there. I think, that, if anything, that, that there was maybe a coming together of legs and it was innocuous. Um, that said, though, I do stick by that. I think Otamendi was was quite cute. Um, but that that maybe just be my uh, prejudice, having watched him play for Man City for a number of years coming to the floor there. But... Um, I don't think you can legitimately say that, that Ryan Kane tried to get a man sent off by diving. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I think it was, you know, it, it wasn't a huge amount of contact, but I think there was contact. I think it was a clear goal-scoring opportunity, and um, there certainly wasn't any attempt in that move by Otamendi to get to the ball. So for me, and I'd certainly be keen to hear what people think in the comments, but for me, that was that was one that, that probably does meet the, the criteria for a red card in today's game. Now, Alec, uh, as I say, the, the, there was an incredible turnaround after the red card. Um, and whilst we could probably spend the next hour analysing every moment from from that game, let's jump ahead to the, the second goal. Rangers get back on, on level terms through an own goal, um, but go ahead uh, following a goal from, from Kamara. Now, what strikes me about this goal, 
and we're not saying this for the first time this season, is the incredible team play in the build-up. The way that the move um, the move starts with some really close quarters, triangles, working the ball, building out from the back, breaks to Morelos, uh, who then sprays a, a, a wonderful 25-yard pass across the pitch over to Kamara. Kamara does well. There's a kind of um, decoy run from Barisic, which opens up the um, opens up the Benfica defence. Kamara cuts inside and then tucks one in at the near in the near post. Um, Alec, talk me through what it meant to you watching us take the lead against Benfica with with such a quality goal. Um, it's one of those ones where you're you're shouting. You, you go beyond actually cheering. You're actually shouting so hard that you don't make any noise. You almost choke yourself. You're doing that. You suddenly understand why you see all these kind of uh, South American uh, players who seem to be like their faces about to explode when they're celebrating a goal. Because that's exactly how I felt when I watched that. Um, it's like they'd seen the Galatasaray goal uh, back to themselves when we took from one end of the pitch to the other, and they thought we can, we can go further. We can actually take this. It's, it's almost like Ryan Jack um, when he dispossessed Tavares. It's like he was saying, "How far back can I go?" He was just kind of dragging the ball back. Oh, that's the touchline, right? This, this is going to be this is going to be a great counter attack. We're actually going to take this from our own goal line. And it was just it was just a thing of absolute beauty. And you're watching it, your mouth's hanging open, and you know we have that in us now. Your mouth's getting further and further open because you're thinking we're going to score here, and the it was like a one, two, three, four between uh, Arabo and Morelos up the touchline, and the ball that Alfie sends across just that we the way he stops his hips and just kind of stops his feet almost to kind of just look at the ball he's sent gliding across uh, to Glenn Kamara who just takes it in his stride and you know it was. It was you're just watching the ball hit the back of the net. And you're thinking, yeah, this this has happened. This has actually happened. This is Benfica. This is the Stadio de Luz. And we have just scored a goal that, you know, probably hasn't been scored here since the days Real Madrid were going to the, the original Stadio de Luz over the other side. You know, I mean, Pele played there in the first of the World Club Championships, the old inter- Intercontinental Cups. And you're thinking, we've scored a goal that is fit for this stadium. But as you say, we've been doing it. We've been doing this since day one under Stevie G, especially in Europe. You think about the goal we scored in Porto last year. Um, and I think the other thing about the red cards, it was like we were under pressure. At first, I thought we we're going to get overrun. And you were almost thinking, we need, you, you actually formed the thought, they look like they've got an extra man. And it was like Stephen Davis and Ryan Jack just decided, we need to get our foot on the ball here. We need to just start setting the Rangers' tempo, the Rangers' rhythm. And they did that in their own box with Benfica attackers. All over them. It was it was just bravery like I've never seen. And um, they got it going, and eventually Stevie D hits this ball over the top, which just immediately takes Otamendi out of the game. And, and, and Dave was absolutely spot on. The, the guy knew what he was doing, you know. And there's no way Ryan Kent was diving. I think we'd have had we'd have had the same amount of people on the internet telling Ryan Kent he was naive, not to dive, or, or not to go down if he'd, if he'd been able to carry on. But uh, he was definitely fouled, and straight away that's it. The, the game's ours, and you're then worried: Are they going to get to bed in? before we get a chance to, you know, to take advantage. Are they going to get settled in at home with 10 men behind the ball and we're struggling? But we just decimated them straight away. I mean, I think we scored four or five minutes after the red card and then it was 88 seconds afterwards that we, we get that other goal. And it was, a, it was a statement goal. And I think that's why, I mean, I'm being facetious saying I'm in, I'm in a Huffway Rangers, you know. Um, I'm not in a Huffway Rangers. I'm, I'm just devastated that they didn't get the result that properly kind of frames and contextualises what was one of your greatest performances ever. I'm actually reminded of the game when we played Leon in the Champions League. We beat them 3 nothing away from home. 
I don't know how many Celtic fans I've actually mentioned that result to and like before I've actually finished the sentence. They say, I bet they beat you 3 0 at Ibrooks. It's been kind of taken away, you know, before you've had a chance to properly enjoy it. Um, and we might yet do Benfica at Ibrooks, you know, but to actually have a chance to to win over there. Um, it's, I'm not angry with Rangers. I'm certainly not, certainly not angry with, with, with Rangers' uh, development under Stephen Gerrard. I think he's been working miracles. It's just, I wanted it for the players and for the fans because we all deserve it uh, to have a, a statement result like that. Um, but I think we just need to content ourselves with a, with a statement performance. And that second goal just just summed it up, you know. And then how we played thereafter to be dominating. I was actually having trouble believing I was seeing what was it was like a dream come true. And I think that's what made it so bitter. If, if we had come back from 3-1 down to draw three each, if we had, um, you know, even given away a two-goal lead against 11 Benfica players, but it's just to actually have it in your grasp and to taste it and to think we're, we're going to beat Benfica at the Stadium of Light. And uh, it didn't actually happen. That was that was, that was was a major disappointment. But the, the football was scintillating, Ross. Well, Alex, uh, Mr Gerrard said that it was, some of the best football he's seen in his time at Rangers. I mean, from from your your summary there, it seems like you you agree with what he's saying. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it was just I think it was just to be dominating. I mean, I can't help. I I, I know like yourself and uh, Colin that have been quite kind to me in the past, calling me uh, a connoisseur of European football, which is the, the nicest c word I've been called um, in Rangers Twitter. But um, I'm basically just fixated with us, you know, winning the European Cup. And until such time as we can win the European Cup, I think beating clubs who have um, is is one of the things. And we've only, I think it's only twice we've actually won uh, on the home ground of a club who's won the European Cup or, or, or Champions League. Um, obviously, there's a third one that we win. We win in their ground all the time now, uh, one in Glasgow. But that's what it deserved the other night. This was until such times as we're champions of Europe to go and give to, to what we do against. The 22 clubs who have been champions of Europe really is a, is, is a massive thing to me. Um, I think it's a massive thing to most Rangers fans. But to see us come out there the other night, and it was the triangular passes, the Stevie Davis bisecting their you know, kind of fullback and centre halves with these wee balls through, and then he's sitting deep and he's hitting, he's hitting his long gliding passes. And the movement for everybody. The, I mean, even just, I, I woke up at two o'clock in the morning the day of the game on Thursday morning, thinking he's going to play three at the back. And, you know, David Venmus said the other night that he thought uh, Gerard was going to play a curveball. He sometimes does in these big games of his team selection. And I was trying to work out what it might be. And I thought he's going to go through, he's going to play Balogun, Hollander and Goldson, same as he ended the game at Rugby Park. Um, but he, what he does was he, of course, he, he plays, you know, uh, Glenn Kamara, Ryan Jack and Stephen Davis. And you're thinking, yeah, genius because this Benfica team play three up front and have a possibility to overrun you. Started off you not know, really badly, but that would just became part of it. The fact that we'd been a goal down, you know, on a minute exactly, to then come back and dominate. And not in a kind of grinding, physical way, but just dominating with beautiful play. This Latin-style play. You know, we looked like a continental club. We looked like a continental side. And um, I was, I've never been prouder of us, and all I wanted... I tweeted when it was, <laughs> I tweeted at halftime, we need to get a third goal. And then when we got that third goal, I started tweeting, is it greedy to want a fourth? Because I just need, I, kn- I knew that we needed that kind of insurance just so we could enjoy it, so the players could enjoy it. 
And um, it, as I say, it wasn't just because we were doing well and holding our own at Benfica. It was because we were playing blissful football. And um, it's just a, it's just an absolute shame that it will be remembered as as a draw. You know, when really it was one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen from Rangers in Europe. Yeah, I think that's an excellent summary. And and as you say, a connoisseur of, of European football. If anyone listening has any other words for Alex beginning with C, please do leave them in the comments. Um, we'll read out the best ones at the end of the show. Um, David, the, the third goal for Rangers came from uh, the familiar boot of Alfredo Morelos, and that's taken him to surpass uh, Ali McCoist's European goal record for the club. Um, there's been a lot of comparisons between Morelos and McCoist over the last couple of weeks as, it, as it's looked you know, inevitable that he would that he would break this record. Um, and we've been, you know, it's been easily pointed out that McCoist scored his European goals against superior competition and, you know, in a better um, a better tournament. And most of his goals were in the European Cup or in the Champions League as opposed to the UEFA Cup or the Europa League. Um, is it fair for us as fans or even for the media to compare players like Morelos and McCoist or should we just appreciate the fact that we have someone who is scoring barrel loads of goals against the European opposition that he's up against? Uh, is it fair? I, I don't think you can compare the two. I think you're, you're comparing apples with oranges, Ross. Um, I think, uh, obviously, leaving aside the fact that the times are, are very much different um, and the the obvious discrepancies between the competitions that, that both players played in. Uh, if memory serves me correctly, uh, Ali McCoy scored uh, three goals in the UEFA Cup, I think. I, think he scored, I can remember him scoring against Bohemians. He scored against uh, Elvis Tamper at, at Ibrooks in the, the night where Cooper ran amok and Robert Fleck scored a hat tack and I think he, he scored in the next round um, against Boavista. The rest of his goals came in the European, the old European Cup. Uh, he obviously scored a couple of goals, if memory serves, against the Grasshoppers in the, in the European Cup after he'd suffered that leg break against playing for Scotland against Portugal and Lisbon. Um, so, uh, it's an interesting debate. Um, you can... You can kick about opinions about the relative merits and strengths of both competitions. I mean, there's an argument to, to, where you could say that the teams playing in the the, the, the bigger leagues, um, whether they you know be from positions four to six or seven, say, um, and the dropouts from the, the the Champions League qualifying could be perceived. Um, to be stronger or every bit as strong as the early rounds of the old European Cup when you had, you know, the kind of, your also runs and your, your minnow nations. You, know, you only cast your mind by with the, the Valettas of, of Malta and, and whatnot. We would be playing the early rounds of Europa Cup, uh, sorry, the, the European Cup before they were, they were knocked out um, in the days before the, the Champions League. So it's difficult to compare the two. That said, though, to, to get back to the players and obviously the man that's of the moment, um, Alfie's record is is tremendous. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, am I right in saying that it's 22 goals in 37 or 38 appearances in Europe um, for Rangers, which uh, that, that, those, those goal-scoring exploits are tremendous. 
you, you, you say, oh, well, you should temper that. He scored against uh, St. Joseph's and uh, Lincoln Red Imps and, and some lesser lights in, the, in, in Europe. Yeah, taking that into account, he still scored big goals against um, certainly Porto. Uh, his goals against uh, his goal against Rapid Vienna in, in, in Stevie's first season um, that played a big part. So his two goals at Celtic like Ibrox that played a big part in giving Rangers back to the fans. You know, everyone that came away from Ibrox that night, you know, I can remember coming back and, and, and speaking to to the guys, family members, and, and friends that, that, that go to the game with us. Um, we all collectively felt that Rangers had, we, we were back, you know, after the, the previous season's debacle against Progress, you know, that, that went a long way to restoring our, our pride and Alfie played a major part in that. Um, I think that he can only go from strength to strength. He's, he's still finding his feet, he's still not red hot yet. Uh, and assuming that we, um, we can maintain our form and hopefully improve upon it within the, the, the group. Uh, if we can um, maintain that form and, as I say, hopefully improve it and qualify from the group for the, the knockout stages, I would like to think that Alfie can still use that as a springboard to either you know, cement his reputation, uh, if Rangers go all the way in all competitions, and, and well, the number one competition are bread and butter in the, the Premier League, and, we managed to win that uh, and gain uh, qualification for the, the qualifying rounds of the Champions League. And, you know, it may well have a bearing on whether Alfie sees his, his short to medium term future at Ibrox. Um, but regardless of that, if, if he continues to score in Europe, uh, he's only going to um, enhance his reputation. So, yeah, it's a win-win situation for, for us as fans and, and, and hopefully uh, us as a club if we, if we choose to move him on. Yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right, David. Um, and, and maybe the hardest part of all of this is predicting what will happen in the short to medium term, because we've probably gone through the last three transfer windows um, expecting Morelos to leave, maybe not, ho maybe hoping he wouldn't leave, but certainly expecting that he probably would. And, and yet here we are um, coming up to Christmas 2020 with him still on the books, still, you know, he's, he's gone through barren spells and certainly has done at the start of this season, but he's still certainly rifling in goals and important goals in Europe. Um, and, and like you say, the, the opposition, the standard of opposition, yes, there's been St. Joseph's, yes, there's been Lincoln Red Imps, but there's been Porto, there's been Vienna, there's been, um, you know, some, some like Legia Warsaw, for example, some, some big clubs that he's scoring big important goals against. Um, now, David, we've, we've heard from Alec about how much the game on, on Thursday meant to him and, and his disappointment at, um, at full time that we'd sort of managed to snatch a draw from the, from the jaws of victory. Um, everyone has has come out with that maybe cliched philosophical line that oh, we'd have taken a point if we were offered it before the game. But really, just how disappointed were you to see the the three points slip away and and come away with a draw, considering the strong position we were in with 15 minutes to go? Uh, like everyone else, I was I was deeply disappointed. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I got a a match report from my dad on the phone. Uh, and when I managed to see the, the highlights later on, on Thursday evening, uh, I, it, it, it set me up and said that, that, uh, that Ryan Kent had a couple of glorious opportunities and a bit more composure. Um, could maybe a, 
scored a couple of goals. Now I thought, well, that, that's that's uh, my dad's, you know, quite a uh, can, can be quite a, a harsh critic at times. Um, and I thought, well, that, I'd like to see that myself. And obviously, uh, having seen the the, the highlights, um, Brian Ken, you know, hit the post, and you're thinking, the fact is in, it's four one, and. As Alec alluded to earlier, that gave us that would have given us that cushion, and it would have been highly unlikely for the for the Portuguese to come back from you know a three goal deficit. Uh, aye, and, and it, you see that the, the the you know the calamitous self inflicted defending, and you think, oh, what what could have been? And uh, I, I I concur wholeheartedly with you know Alec. Waxing lyrical about the some of the passing movements. I mean, Rangers are, Rangers play some some excellent football. I I said in previous pods that Rangers look like a, a well coached side. Um, they proved that beyond doubt against Galatasaray. Um, it looks as though you know, over the course of ninety minutes, you know, two defensive lapses aside uh, for the, the second and third Benfica goals, it looked like a well coached. Uh, and well executed performance, albeit against ten men for a for a significant uh, amount of the, the game. Um, I mean, to, to, to go to to, to Lisbon and uh, no manage to convert the three points is obviously disappointing. But if you look at it on the flip side, um, I think it's a measure of how far we've came under Stephen Gerrard that we are looking at a point. Um, from the Estadio de Luz and being, you know, thinking that that's, you know, been disappointing about that. Um, if, we, if we cast our minds back, you know, three short summers ago when we were being humbled by a part-time side playing in the, the Luxembourg top flight, um, to think that, you know, three, you know, two and a bit years later, we'd, we'd be, we'd be kicking ourselves in, in, you know, in some, some quarters, you know, griping, about dropping two points away from home against Benfica, who are a perennial uh, participants in the Champions League group stages. I think, you know, we'd all take it. Um, but, you know, to temper that, you know, we do drive for perfection. I mean, we, we're a club who have high standards traditionally. Um, we as supporters demand the best. We like to uphold those traditions, and we seem to have a management team, um, certainly by uh, you know reflecting their exploits in Europe. Maybe not so much domestically, uh, which will be uh, you know irksome to the to the manager um, that those high standards are being met and, and being enhanced. I, mean, I can remember in the previous pods talking to yourself and and Colin and other guests. Uh, about the, the, the year-on-year improvement in Europe under Stephen Gerrard, and that's been the highlight. That's that's it's irrefutable, and he's gave us our pride back. The team are playing some superb football. Um, they look like a, a crack European outfit, um, and they're playing at a good level. I mean, it doesn't matter what the, the naysayers say. Playing group stage football uh, at Europa League level. Um, especially in a condensed calendar as it's been of late um, in this strange season that we find ourselves in, um, isn't easy. 
Uh, despite the, the relative perceived weakness of the Scottish Premier League, you're playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday in short succession. Then you, you, you throw in the fact that the, the vast majority, thankfully, these days of our squad um, are playing international football. You know, that, that, that comes with, with pressure. And uh, if we can um, come back from the international break, uh, hopefully all fit and healthy, and we can resume our Europa League uh, against Benfica at Ibrox and hopefully take the three points and show the Portuguese side that, you know, we maybe let them off the hook uh, last uh, Thursday night. And, they, you know, we've, we've seen them up close now. We know what we're, we're, uh, we're up against and hopefully uh, the lads can go and they do themselves justice the next time we take them on. Look, I think that's that's all that you can ask. And like you say, you, you do take a, a large degree of confidence from the result that, that we can go one better in, in the home tie. Um, I, I, and, and as you say, David, really all that you can ask is that the next time the players come out that they you know, try and go one better. Now, there's not much better that they could have gone in their next game than, than the display that we saw this afternoon. I mean, we could probably spend, like I say, another hour talking about Benfica, but we, we really should get on to the the Hamilton game today and, and normally we would talk through every goal but we, we simply haven't got the time and we're going to have to be quite selective. Alec, the, the team news that came out today showed a, a huge amount of rotation, five changes from the game on Thursday. Um, there are some understandable decisions there. I'm, I'm not surprised to see Hollander uh, dropping out of the starting 11. Um, Steve Davis as well, not, not a huge surprise to see him dropping away. Um, but Morelos and, and Kamara, both of whom scored and, and played very, very well on Thursday, was it maybe a little bit harsh to see them dropping out of the starting eleven? Um, maybe at face value, yes. You know, I, I'm just wondering. He seemed to be uh, Stevie G seemed to be very, very kind of cognizant of the the international duties coming up today, getting Barisic off as soon as he could. You know, uh, getting Ryan Jack off, and I think um, maybe I, I'm not sure about the, I'm not sure about Colombia's schedule. You know, um, I'm assuming Glenn Kamara's playing for Finland. I don't know if he just thought that was. That was part of it. I'm, I'm sure he's no he's not punishing anybody um, for the, the the performance on Thursday. You know, I mean, I think I, I, we don't have time to go back to Benfica as you say, but I think you know when we look back at the, the two goals we conceded in the second half, Big Holander's actually done really well to to push the guy out, push Nunez out wide because um, he's he's out of position. He's actually over in goals inside of the park. Um, with, with the second goal we conceded to the first one in the second half, and in the the, the, the equaliser, sorry, before that, um, in that, that second goal, I mean, the whole midfield is standing watching a dead ball, you know, just like, you no know, getting in front of the ball. I don't, I don't think he was in any way um, completely to blame. And I think maybe just the way the goals have gone in, it's just, he, he looks more culpable than everybody else. But there was, if we're going to be blaming MD, and I don't like the word blame, it's just more about ironing out blips. Um, I, I don't think there's any kind of chance of any players that played on Thursday being punished today by non-selection. I just thought um, it just showed our squad rotation at its best. And I think you're in a situation where you're looking at um, how, how can you come back? How can you show um, that that game hasn't affected you when you're playing the team at the bottom of the league? It's almost like, well, Hamilton's a free hit. You're not actually going to show uh, that there's no hangover from, from Benfica simply by beating a Hamilton team that hasn't played in three weeks. But as uh, David said, spot on at the beginning there. 
Um, we know what a team that's not playing domestically can do from, from what happened in uh, Glasgow and another Europa League game on Thursday night. Uh, and Rangers just went out there and uh, I think you, you've got to compare it to um, the last kind of European League combination um, when we had a fantastic result, when we played uh, brilliantly in Liège and you're worried that the Livingston game is going to be kind of after the Lord Mayor's show there's going to be that aspect where we've been such a high and put so much emotionally into a game and done so well um, that it's they're going to kind of take their eye off the ball. They've scored two goals in the first 16 minutes and the game's done. And that was a reaction to Celtic dropping points earlier that day. So today you had the converse of that. You had the, the European game had ended disappointingly and Celtic had made a wee bit of a statement themselves uh, before we kicked off today. And you're wondering, right, this is, actually, this is a different kind of scenario, slightly different. We're going to have to show that, you know, <laughs> We're ready to go here. We can react. We can react to slight setbacks as well. A slight bit of pressure being put on us, and we didn't score in the first 16 minutes. But we think we scored in the 17th minute, 18th, and the 19th. And you're four nothing up at half time. The there was a lot of talk today. They're talking about how they, they said go out and treat the second half as if it's nil nil. You know, we hear that all the time. It's easy to say that, and also you have all the substitutions. You know, which usually kill the, the pace of a game as well. But they couldn't score another four in the second half, and frankly, looked capable of scoring 10, 12. Um, I thought to actually manage to get a reaction to giving up two goals in the Stadium of Light out of a game against Hamilton was fantastic. And as David says, when we think about where we were um, a few years ago, that was it's like night and day. We're now we're now at a situation. I think that, that half the problem with uh, Thursday night is that we haven't won a cup. We always thought the road back to fifty five was going to be kind of garlanded with. You know, a wee League Cup here and a wee Scottish Cup there, but it's just not in the Rangers' DNA. We're, we don't accept, you know, that, that we're going to have to kind of take our time getting back to the top. It's like we tried to kind of accept that when we first come back into the top flight. Maybe we'll take a wee second place finish before we, we mount a challenge. But we ended up finishing third because we're neither one thing or the other. We're neither going for it or neither thinking we're good enough. And um, no, I think I, I think the, the way we've reacted to what happened the other night was uh, absolutely absolutely fantastic, and I don't know that my thing with Europe is the, that is that is our cups. What we've been doing in Europe, these games against beating Porto, beating Legia Warsaw, you know, even just to be playing uh, Benfica in the Stadium of Light, we are hundred percent record from our first two group games. These are like where we cup finals. These are these are our bonuses that sustain us until the moment we actually win fifty five. And um, I, I thought to be doing that and also to be top of the league and then to be making that statement today, we're, we're, we're more than on the right track. It was really exciting. It was a hell of a statement, wasn't it? And, and let's be fair, I think, we ha- let's be fair, sorry. I think we have to caveat this conversation by saying that Hamilton, uh, regrettably, are probably one of the poorest sides that we'll have ever seen in, in the top flight in Scotland. I mean, they are... Um, they've, they've hung on for a while, somehow kind of clinging to their, their premiership status for a few years now. But I'll be very, very surprised if they do stay up this season. And um, a lot of their fans are very unhappy with with the state of the play with their managerial squad, their managerial side. And it's um, you know it's certainly not the, the stiffest of opposition that we'll ever come up against. But but David, we've put eight goals past them, which is the first time that we scored eight goals in the league. I think in my lifetime, which is you know. Quite quite remarkable, really. Eight goals put past Hamilton today, um, with a side that I don't think many people would argue that that was our strongest eleven. I mean, it, it would be hard to envisage our strongest eleven not containing Alan McGregor, 
and not containing Alfredo Morelos um, before you start having arguments about who you put in the midfield. Um, what does that tell you about the, the squad's depth that we have at the squad at the moment? I think the squad depth speaks for itself, Ross. Um, what has impressed me this season, uh, and it's something that we have spoke about at length ever since the Jersnet podcast kicked off, um, we've often bemoaned the, the lack of mentality about the Rangers squad in, in terms of you know, coming up short. Um, you know, the the, the the change in mindset over the closed season and the enforced um, break due to, to COVID, um, it's it's almost like Jekyll and Hyde. Um, the, 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 the side look hungry. They look completely professional. Um, the mentality is there. And, and you can see step changes in, in so many players. Um, it helps, obviously, that you know we've got a, a relatively clean bill of health in terms of the squad. But the the, the, the way we're going about our business, um, I'm really, really enthusiastic about our chances this season. Um, it definitely feels different. Uh, we've come back from tricky games in Europe and we've put in thoroughly professional performances. Um, to secure the points and more often than not we've kept a clean sheet in the league so um, I think that, that that transformation has been remarkable a lot of that's down to the management obviously um, a lot of it's down to the fact that the group of players um, the, the core group have been together for a significant period of time uh, they've obviously getting the message through and it, it's almost like you know they, they can do it uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part of, you know, like, you know, it's it's almost a learned behaviour. It's it's, it's 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 you know, it comes it, it, second nature almost. in, in terms of the expectation, the level of performance, the the, the guys are are, are fit. The, 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 there's players on the side that that their availability of selection stacks up. I saw Thom Connor Golson being one over the captain. I mean, the the the, the, the guy is a machine. Uh, he keeps himself fit. He, he, he must be an actually fit lad. Um, he keeps himself out of bother. He doesn't. He, he's, he, he doesn't go into tackles in a, in a, in a you know a, a manner which could potentially injure himself. Or you know, he he. It's just his overall management uh, of the of his body um, is exemplary. In the, in the Rangers squad. Now, I'm, not, I'm not going overboard there. I think he is, this season, definitely leading by example. And any question marks that a lot of the support had over his um, suitability for the captain's armband surely must be dispelled by his performances this season. Um, and, you know, as I've mentioned there previously, you know, a lot of that will be down to the, the coaching staff and the management. Um, but you can't take away from the players themselves. And that is throughout the squad. I mean, you, you could get through, you know, the, the back line picks itself. You know, obviously it, it, it's, you know, the regular starters, a few dropped out today. Um, and it's a great place to be in. The, the midfield, I mean, we've got Steve, uh, Stephen Davis uh, looks as if he's born again. Uh, he's obviously, Steve is a class player. Um, there was obviously question marks over how long he could go, how many games he could play a week, and obviously the manager spelled him today. Glenn Kamara has been 
awesome. Uh, and I, I don't use that word lightly. His 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 level of, of, of improvement and his is uh, assured assuredness in in that midfield has been a, a joy to behold. He, he actually you can tell by how he carries himself that he, he believes now that he should be in that, that Rangers side. Scott Arfield has been excellent. Um, the signings have been decent. Um, they're obviously not up to 100% sharpness and, and, and up to speed yet, but as we've seen uh, latterly, Kamar Roof's getting there. Uh, obviously, you know, chipped in a winner goal in, in Belgium. Another solid performance today. Um, and, you know, you know what, players that we would have deemed to be surplus to requirements, like Brandon Barker, come in and, and, and chip in and with reasonable performances and, and the odd goal here and there. So this, the squad, are accepting the responsibility of being Rangers players, they are keeping themselves fit, they are playing to a level, uh, and, and they are playing to a level consistently. And when you're doing all that, these things in, in, in tandem, uh, then you've got half a chance, and as you know, we're born out of the results, I mean, that's our 20th game of the season, 17 victories, three draws, uh, we've conceded seven goals, and we've scored a barrel, I think we've scored over 50 goals. I mean, those statistics speak for themselves, and uh, long may it continue. There's, there's an interesting comment here on the YouTube stream, David, from, from Mark, who's suggesting that a difference this season is the fact that Gerard has had time with the players Whereas in, in, in the last two seasons, Gerard has, has had the players together for about five minutes before being thrown into that first qualifier for, for the Europa League. Do you think that the extra time that, you know, as a result really of, of COVID and the league shutdown that we had, the players get an extra time in a, a sort of more elongated pre-season? Are we reaping the benefits of that now? Yeah, that's, that's difficult to comment on if you're not in, on the inside. Um, but I would tend to think that, that yeah, that, that probably has a, had a bearing on on the season so far, but you know, it's, the the back line have been together now for two and a half seasons. Uh, so sorry, I beg your pardon. You know, Conor Goldson, James Tavernier, and, and Alan McGregor have been there um, for two seasons. Philip Hollander's there a season and a half, and you could possibly say Barisic has been there a, a season and a half because his his first season he was you know he, he wasn't fully settled. Um, so the, 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 you build from the back. It's you know it's, it's the old adage. If you get this, you build from the back, and if you can get the spine right, then you've got half a chance. Um, the midfield. Uh, in previous seasons, is you know it's been hit and miss. Sometimes the, the performances have been really to a, a good standard, and then other times when they've dropped off, you know it's, you've maybe thought, well, we could be doing a, a body or two extra in there just to complement what we've got. And then up front, obviously, the, the last couple of seasons, we've, we've relied heavily on Alfredo Morelos, and if he's been off for him, then the team have, have tended to struggle, especially against packed defences playing in the Premier League. So. Thankfully, uh, through um, good planning on behalf of the management, they've so fit to, to bring in a couple of bodies. Um, one is it's obviously earmarked for the future, one who can play a number of roles within the system, i.e. Kamar Roof. And that seems to have uh, 
you know, helped in uh, relieving that burden that we've placed on Alfie's shoulders over the last couple of seasons. So when you, you, you bring that all together, um, all the players, uh, they know what the management and coaching staff are trying to impart. They've got ideas that they're imparting to them on a daily basis. So it's by repetition, they know their roles in the side, they know how to dovetail with one another, form partnerships in the pitch. And I think that we're just seeing that all come to fruition. Uh, and Touchwood, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, we seem to have a relatively clean bill of health. Um, our fitness levels are excellent. I mean, today, I know I temper this, what I'm about to say, with the fact that we're playing against a side that are bottom of the table, have not kicked a ball in two and a bit weeks, um, suffered a number of injuries, and I've pitched in young lads, the very nice strike of blood, young lads, and get them to play in, you know, to use a cliche, and in very commas, the correct manner. Um, and our fitness, you know, we were still looking lively in the 92nd minute today. And that, that speaks volumes. And that all coming together, whether it's classroom work uh, or can how and conveying ideas and, and scenarios and, and, you know, just general coaching and um, preparation work is obviously coming to fruition. And uh, long may it continue because Rangers, whilst we have no absolute superstars. You know, we've, we've, got, we've got a number of very, very good players and we've got a number of uh, good players, up-and-coming players. I mean, you look at Calvin Bassett today come into the side. Now, again, I, I temper what I'm about to say with the fact that it's, it's against a side that are clearly struggling. Um, but Calvin Bassett came into the side today and didn't look at a place and didn't look as if he was, you know, he was upsetting the rhythm of the, the side. And I think that was, that was one of the big things for me today the professionalism, the fitness, the seamlessness of rotation with the players, they just all seem to be on the, the page and they seem to be focused. And I'm going to throw a curveball in here. I think that the fact that there's no fans at Ibrox, especially, is playing a big part in allowing the players to focus on the job at hand. And you know, it's very easy to get distracted with outside influences uh, or the, the support on the grounds. Um, some players, as I've said in previous pods, some players react to it positively. Some find that a burden. And it's trying to just get that sweet spot from a management point of view and a coach's point of view in terms of tactics and, and deploying a personnel. But um, whatever's happening, uh, whether it's, it's you know preparation of a close, an extended close season through extenuating circumstances, whatever is happening, it's, it seems that we've just got the right blend just now. And as I keep saying, I don't want to attempt fate here. Long may it continue, Ross, because um, if it continues in the current manner, I think come May, we should and could be in a good place. No, I, you're absolutely right. Um, you, you know, you, you've mentioned some of the, the recruitment there. I think recruitment is another area that's that's kind of led to the success that we're so, showing so far this season i think a lot of congratulations have to go to, to andy scolding and to ross wilson for the work that they've done in that area you know you mentioned calvin bassey every time he's come on i think calvin bassey looks excellent i think he looks like a real threat but he looks solid defensively okay the kid's not even 21 years old yet so these players have real futures ahead of them um bongani zungu again today okay slightly older but he's come on um having missed a great deal of football, having had to spend the last two weeks in quarantine by himself, trying to keep himself in, in shape, comes on and, and, and looks 
not a not out of place one bit. You know, he's he's spraying thirty yard passes as if he's been there for years and years. You know, already on the same wavelength of these players, and that's a real credit to the recruitment staff. Um, so I think it's you know very very encouraging signs and and very very positive signs that are quite rightly filling us with optimism because it's not just that we're playing good football it's that we're playing good football and getting excellent results um and even when we're not playing well more often than not we're still grinding out good results you know we, we, we weren't great against Kilmarnock the other week but we get the three points in a place that we've struggled so far over the last few years so it's as you say David some very very encouraging signs um Alec I'll come to you just for the last word on, on the Hamilton game today um We've criticised this Rangers side in the past, you know, over the last few seasons, this season as well. I remember even after the Old Firm game that we won 2-0, there was criticism of Rangers for not being ruthless enough, not putting their foot on the throat and really closing games out with, you know, what could be deemed a cricket score. Um, that simply didn't happen today. We were ruthless. We were, you know, really went for the kill. We didn't let up and we were still looking dangerous right up until the 92nd minute. You know, how important is it that that Rangers show that they have the ability to do so, but how important is it that the club does that for the fans to show that we are serious about our title challenge this year um, and that we're not going to let up just because we get two goals ahead? Yes, and I, I think it was uh, really important to get it in the bank, so to speak, before the international break that we've got that in us. You know, we've, one of the things we've been saying about the team this season is they kind of lack a cutting edge, perhaps, or, or as much of a cutting edge as they could have. Um, and I think a lot of that uh, is down to the way we play, which is you know, defending from the front. You know, Ryan Kent obviously does a lot, a hell of a lot of shutting down uh, of opposition uh, fullbacks and centre halves. And I think a lot of the reason that um, Alfredo Morelos has taken his time to, to get into the goals again this season is because he's been asked to play a slightly more, um, a slightly more withdrawn role. Um, but also, I think he's, he's it's been battered into him that he has to be a team player. He's become a father. Um, maybe feeling the responsibility and also it's not just Jermaine Defoe that he's got to think about now. He's, he's got other uh, more than competent uh, strikers in there as well, so he's going to fight for his place. I think he's been too much of a team player at times, Alfie. He's lost that wee bit of kind of prima donna uh, edge, that bit of selfishness that you need to, to, to get amongst the goals. Um, but whereas against Kilmarnock, against uh, against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park, and even returning off against Livingston, you're always wanting a third goal or a second goal um, they were never needed. I think what happened the other night in Lisbon, I'm going to go back to it, I think that's what, that's played a massive part in how that game uh, played out today. Stevie G and the team, the, the backroom team, have obviously drummed it into them that they went to sleep. They lost concentration. Uh, they turned their back on the ball at free kicks at Lisbon. They, they took for granted that they had won. And that whole squad, one of the other things, David's absolutely he's, he's, he's spot on about how great we're looking just now. And one of the things I love about it is, is that the stamp of Gerard, that intensity of, you know, it's never enough. You should always be, you should always be striving for more and you need to be at it, need to be focused 100%. And I think it also becomes a, a kind of like a psychological breather for the team. If you keep winning games narrowly and then one game that you actually got a two goal lead, you end up getting a draw. I, I think... It, Going forward, looking towards, you know, trying to win 55 uh, this season, they need to know that they have it in the bank. They're capable of doing that. They, they need the proof. And uh, today it was just, uh, it was ridiculous. Let's not forget that Hamilton, obviously, are the, the last team to uh, score against us in competitive Scottish football at Ibrox 
And also, if we go right back to pre-season this season, when the, the whole uh, clean sheet record started, they're actually the first team to score against us in, in this in this this season. You know, up at Auckland Howie, the, the first kind of pre-season friendly this season, they scored the first goal. Um, so to see what we did to them today, and even at the end of the game, to see um, just in that, the highlights that I was watching in sports, and you see Jermaine Defoe's having a wee argument with Zungu, it still hasn't stopped. The intensity hasn't stopped even at the final whistle when we've won eight now. And um, by the way, I just thought, I thought Jermaine Defoe, if you watch back just at the highlights of the goals today, he's at the centre of absolutely everything. The guy who didn't score, um, he's, he's got this thing of, he's, he's facing the Copeland, but his toes are pointing towards the Broomland. This, this way he swivels his hips, it's, it's ridiculous. But he's done absolutely everything today, Jermaine Defoe. He's, um, you know, he, he's putting the ball out to, to Tavernier for, for, for the ball onto Roof for the second goal. He's, he's dispossessing a guy in the other wing, you know, for the first goal, uh, Teeing up Ryan Kent to, to, to tee that goal up. You know, he's, he's getting brought down in the box uh, for the penalty. Um, he's in there at the back post. It looks like he should score, but he's just making sure the ball doesn't go out until Big Roof can get his goal. He's did absolutely everything today, and that's a guy at 38 years old. And I think if that's the if that's the kind of intensity we've got round about the dressing room, round about that squad, we're going to be all right. And I, as you said, I think it was really important today that they unleashed. Yeah, for, yeah, for the fans, but for the team as well, so they know they can do it. And so the rest of the league knows we can do it as well. Because Celtic were looking at us today and thinking, well, we put a bit of pressure on them. How are they going to respond? Well, there's your response. We've talked a wee bit tonight about statements and making a statement. Um, and there's, you know, there's possibly no better time to make a statement than, than going into an international break. And, and like you say, Alec, it's, it was very, very important for the players themselves to know that they can do this. Because the next time that we're facing a stuffy defensive unit that, that's sitting five at the back and doubling up on fullbacks and all the rest of it, we can we can use this result to show we can really, really put teams to bed. We have goals coming from all over the pitch. You know, we had two goals scored by centre half, uh, scored by a fullback today, um, the fullback who is the top scorer in the league. You know, it's quite remarkable the way that goals are coming from everywhere in this team, which was a criticism of the squad last year, was that we over relied on Alfredo Morelos. That simply isn't happening anymore. So, um, yeah, today was today was a real statement that you put us under pressure. You know, we can respond to that regardless of the fact that it's coming after a disappointing uh, result at a tough place to go in Europe. This is the it's days like these that you see what the club is. You know, the character is really, really made of. And I think today the club have, have really passed a, a, a difficult test with flying colours. It's frustrating now that we go into the into the European uh, the, the international break. Um, we wouldn't want to, to drop momentum, but you know, you look at the results that we've had this season, and, and we just there seems to be a real growing belief, a real growing confidence that everything is starting to click. The mentality issues that we've had over the past are, have been worked out. There's consistency, there's trust, there's people understanding their roles within the setup. The the tactics are spot on. The, the team has been well drilled. They understand where they're meant to be, and everything is really, really coming together. And and look. It's not every week that we're going to put eight goals past an opposition. It's not every week that we're going to put three goals past an opposition. Um, and, and we shouldn't come to expect that. You know, we shouldn't come to expect that we'll, we'll, we'll put multiple, you know, five, six, seven goals past, past weaker opposition just because we did it today. But today is a real sign to not only to the rest of this league, but, but to, to Europe, you know, we are a real force to be reckoned with. You look at our results across Europe over the last couple of seasons, um, we are a really, really strong side domestically and continentally at the moment. 
and, and as David says, long may it continue. Gents, uh, we have tipped over the hour. Um, so thank you very, very much, everyone who's still listening for, for staying with us. And again, I'm sorry that we started a couple of minutes late this evening. Um, that probably is all that we have time for. As I say, we, we could have gone for hours talking about those two games today. I'd like to say a massive thank you to Alec and to David for giving up their Sunday evenings to come and join me and to talk about Rangers with me. It's always a, an absolute pleasure. The show will be back next week. There's no Rangers uh, throughout the week, but there is an international fixture um, where we'll be checking in on the progress of John McLaughlin and Ryan Jack for the Scotland squad, as well as the other players who have gone away for international duty. So please do tune in the same time, same place next week. Um, as always, please do head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk for all of the latest news um, and updates, as well as the friendly discussion forum where you can find myself, Alec and David and get involved in the chatter over there. Um, as we're saying every week during the COVID times, please do look after each other. Please do stay safe. And thank you very, very much for listening. Have a great week.